Changing the world of work isn't about tactics. It's not about meetings or metrics. It isn't about the benefits, perks, or opportunities. It's about being brave enough to put love first. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So as leaders, we're the ones who have to make it happen. This is the Love in Action Podcast. And here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. So my guest today is someone that if you read or follow the servant leadership movement and philosophy of work, he's someone that should be on your radar screen. I've written about him. I've read about him in numerous publications, and I consider him to be an iconic figure within servant leadership. He is Harold McDowell, CEO of TD Industries, a $631 million company as of 2018 with over 2,600 employees or partners as they are known at TD. Harold began his career at TD in 1985 as an assistant project manager and became the company's first CEO outside of the founding family in 2005. He's been refining his servant leadership philosophy and methods and practices ever since. And under his leadership, TD has been named a Fortune Magazine Best Company to Work For legend, making that prestigious list for 17 straight years. So besides the numerous boards he serves in true servant leadership fashion, Harold makes time for the Construction Education Foundation, which provides educational opportunities to construction craftspeople who want to be masters of their trades. It's my honor to have Harold McDowell join us on the show today. So Harold, welcome to the Love in Action podcast. Morning, Marcel. Thank you so much for joining us. I start with this. What makes you smile these days when you get up in the morning? You know, I have a real habit of getting up early in the morning, and I like to start my day with gratitude. I've been using the five-minute journal and um, as a grounding place. And so the habit of writing down three things you're grateful for every day, and then from there you transition to what are the three most important things to get done today, I think really helps center me. And then I follow that up with some prayerful meditation um, for those in need. So that's what gets me off to a, a smile start every day. And that's great advice. We should all take up some of those techniques as well. I love gratitude journaling myself, uh, spending two minutes each day in the morning doing the, those same things. It uh, does something special to my brain. <laughs> so Harold, for people that are not familiar with TD Industries or TD, as you like to be known now, how would you describe your company and what you do? So TD Industries is what I call an e-com company. So we're an engineering, construction, and an operation and maintenance organization. So we work in the commercial and industrial built environment. So we help our clients engineer facilities. We like to help them construct facilities. And then we want to help them operate and maintain these facilities efficiently for a long period of time. Harold, let's talk about the topic that you and I are passionate about, and that's servant leadership. So if you're hearing the term servant leadership for the first time, maybe some of our listeners are, how would you describe it? The way I like to think about servant leadership is it starts from a place of a, a genuine desire to serve others, but it's from a place of wanting to grow others, placing other people's growth more important than the growth of yourself. And so when you're focused on helping others grow, 
what you find is then that creates more and more opportunities for for the servant leader. So being a good listener, being empathetic, um, but being willing to hold people accountable. Um, it is both soft and hard. And I think we can touch on that a little deeper as we go along here. So. And at, at what point, though, did you become convinced? OK, this style of leadership is probably the best model out there for the workplace. So I was really, really blessed to have found TD Industries after only worked at one other employer out of college. So for almost 35 years, it, it is the model that I've been raised inside. And so our founder found Robert Greenleaf's essay and brought it into the business and um, became friends with him. And um, so we've been teaching leaders how to be good servants ever since TD was, you know, found the essay in the, or in the mid 60s. Yeah. So um, it is a wonderful model and um, one that has served us incredibly well as we've grown the business. Yeah, it's it's been around for a while, and yet it didn't really uh, hit me as a true business philosophy for leading others until around, for me personally, in the mid-90s, uh, when I was introduced to a servant leader myself. I didn't have a label for that boss that I reported to, but years later, I realized, wait a minute, he was a servant leader. So let's talk a little bit about the misconceptions, okay? There are many. What would you say some some of the biggest ones are about servant leadership? I, probably the biggest misconception is I think people struggle with putting the two words together. People think of them as opposites. And if you think about servant, it sounds soft. When you think about leader, I think in so much of today's, um, what we see in the in popular news and things, you know, it's big, tough, sometimes mean, and um, it's hard to reconcile those two things. But when we have leaders come to TD, even after long careers at other organizations, what they find is, you know, is, wow, that's what I've been trying to do. That's what I've been trying to be um, all these years, and I haven't been able to find the words for it. I think the, the misconception that servant leadership is soft is wrong. Yeah, yeah. So what's the fear? Why is it that people fear this kind of leadership philosophy in the workplace? I think that it's hard, unless you've had really good role models, unless you were kind of raised with, you know, with a really powerful parenting model, I think it's hard for leaders to get comfortable with being transparent. I think it's hard for many of us to be comfortable with showing vulnerability and being willing to ask others to do that too. So I think that's one of the hard things. So what I'm hearing is basically that people think it's too soft. Yes. Yeah. So when you hear that, that servant leadership is too soft, and maybe you've had people come to you and say, no, that's just not for us, Harold. It works for your company. It's not going to work for ours. What's your response to that? In our organizational journey with servant leadership in the early years, we were too soft. We understood the soft side. We understood the empathetic side. We understood the love and the, and the listening, but we weren't doing as great a job with clear expectations, with accountability. And so it's a two-sided coin. And so being willing to listen, being willing to empathize, but also being willing to set clear expectations and hold others accountable is the kind of the hard side. And when you put it all together, it's incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. So there's probably many questions that servant leaders ask, either uh, from the soft side of things or the hard side of things to get people to go where they should. So what would you say is the most important question leaders should be asking employees? 
Well, I know the question that we're asking inside our organization right now is, you know, are you getting regular feedback from your supervisor or from your servant leader? And are they telling you what they appreciate? But are they also telling you what do you need to do to be more effective? So are they are they using the soft side of the coin? And are they also using, I guess we would call it the harder side, but I think it's the more important side because that's where we grow. So I think um, all of us, and we're finding, especially the millennials, really want to know, what do I need to do to be more effective? You know, just tell me, coach. Yeah. Give yeah. me that feedback. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal leadership and how some of the challenges, the wins, as well as the challenges that you've had to overcome. We know what the wins are, obviously. You are at the helm of one of the most successful companies in America let's dive into your challenges and, and maybe even talk about some failures that you've had to overcome. I'm willing to share what some of those are and how did that help grow you as a leader? Yeah, I think um, as our business has grown, I think probably the, the most difficult failures for me, the ones that I won't forget is when the business outgrows an individual leader and we have to do a realignment or a demotion or um, sometimes we have to exit the business. Those are really, really hard. But when you want to give people opportunities to grow, when you're providing them with lots of feedback, you believe they can do it, but not everybody's going to hit it out of the park every time. <laughs> and so we all have limits. We all have, I think, caps on our wingspan, if you will. And sometimes it's hard to know until we hit one of those. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think those are the failures that I will carry for the rest of my life is when, when we've had to realign a long-term leader where the business outgrew them. Mm. Harold, speak to other CEOs on this uh, episode, if you will. What is servant leadership's value to the bottom line? Well, we have found in our business, I mean, the only thing that we have to sell is the gifts and talents of our people. So we don't have oil wells, we don't have software. I mean, it is creative engineering and it's really hard work. Um, to do what TD Industries does for our clients every day. And it takes a lot of people, a lot of labor, and a, and a lot of skilled labor. And so I think what it doesn't really matter at what level of the organization that anyone is in, um, whether you're skilled trades or whether you're a supervisor or whether you're a team leader or whether you're vice president or whether you're CEO, what we find is that you know, people are people and they, and they generally all want the same things. I mean, we want clear expectations. I want feedback from somebody that really cares about me. I want an opportunity to work in a place with, where I enjoy the people that I work with and where I can have challenging things to accomplish on a daily basis. And I don't think that matters um, where you are in the organization. So we don't find the, the wishes of our frontline partners to be any different than my own why we also use an upside down org chart um, to really help us remember that, that the most important people inside TD really are frontline skilled trades people. Yeah. So the rest of us are simply here to make their lives easier, to, to help them get done what we need to get done on a daily basis. And quite frankly, if without our frontline skilled trade partners and the people that do the, the most difficult work for us every day, I don't have a job. Mm. Mm. You know, I'm glad you, you touched on that as far as the skilled labor and, you know, it's a different animal, but not really when it comes to engaging, motivating, inspiring those people. They're no different. They're still human beings. And in an earlier podcast, I was talking to Bob Chapman, CEO of Barrett Waymiller. He said the same thing because his business is, 
in the manufacturing industry. And, um, and so it works for any industry across any vertical. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I think people are people and we all have the same desires and needs as individuals. Yeah. Okay. So you have had <laughs> a lot of potential buyers through the years to want to buy out TD. And you know, you've had all of these chances to go public. It's ever present for you. What's your reason for not doing it? So I think the number one reason is we, we, we fear that it would kill the culture. We fear that um, if we became a slave to the public markets, to quarterly income statements and quarterly reporting, Sarbanes-Oxley and all those additional things that we'd have to live through, we feel that it would, could be a culture killer for us. I've seen a lot of great companies go into consolidation and go into roll-ups, and they're just not the same organization a year or two later. Um, when they become a slave to the public markets. I think that the public companies are too focused on shareholder value and not a total stakeholder model, whether you use conscious capitalism or any of the other, you know, more well-rounded stakeholder models that are out there. I think that public companies find it very hard to do that. So, and then quite frankly, we don't need the, many companies go public because they need financing. We don't need the money. Um, We don't need investors because we're an employee-owned company. And so we have a strong balance sheet. We have a, um, a lot of cash in the bank and we've been able to grow quite profitably and keep it um, more closely held. If you count 2,500 stockholders as being closely held, we don't need the capital markets to do that. Mm. We do, I will build on that and say that we do have a really strong governance model. So we have an outside board of directors that is elected every year by the stockholders and um, so we are trying to have all the benefits of good governance from a public company model, but without all the distractions of the slave to quarterly reporting and short-term thinking. Yeah, yeah. So I want to transition to uh, something that Kim Blanchard told me not too long ago. He said, servant leadership is love in action. Now you kind of get where I got the name for my podcast. Yeah. Um, and, like <laughs> and, you know, there is this this theme of love is manifested various various ways, and uh, you and I know that it comes in the form of growing your people, developing them, respecting them, providing for their needs. Those are all elements of love, right? But there's something that gets in the way of that, and I think it's fear. Fear is the barrier that causes people not to feel valued and give their best effort. And so here's the question, Harold, and I ask this of every guest. Why do we find so much fear-based management styles in the workplace when the evidence is so clear that caring and loving your employees leads to business results? Yeah, I think it's an incredibly important question. And I think whether you look to Ken Blanchard or whether you look to W. Edwards Deming, one of my favorite Deming quotes is, drive out fear. (laughs) It's just three (laughs) words. He would say that in this really deep voice. What's the secret to improving a, a work environment is drive out fear. <laughs> and I think, again, it goes back to, you know, maybe we had some bad models or we had some bad examples or we started out in a bad workplace that was fear-based or fear-influenced. But um, when you can get fear out of the workplace and you can get everyone to open up and share their best ideas and be willing to be vulnerable and be wrong, right? I mean, I don't have all the right answers, but by listening to others and by having some healthy debate, we find the best answers, tapping into the whole 
team. So getting fear out of the workplace is a really, really um, high leverage activity. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your um, self-leadership habits, your productivity habits. Uh, Talk about your daily routine, Harold. You said that you divide your weeks into what you call five appointment buckets. Unpack that for us. Well, I I think the most precious resource we all have is our time. So where do we want it to go? And having a framework, um, no matter where you are in your life, is really important. So my five um, buckets, if you will, is I'm trying to think about when I'm looking ahead, whether it be a week or a month, I'm trying to look at my calendar and see how I'm doing within these targets. And what they are is I'm trying to spend a day and a half a week on coaching and development of our highest potential people. So about 30% of my time on coaching and development of future servant leaders. I'm trying to spend about a half a day a week with customers. And the only reason I'm able to do that is on such a small amount is that we have an incredible um, network of relationships. So it's not about Harold's relationship, but I I need to be spending at least a half a day a week with clients. Uh, My target is two days a week. In the, in the business, doing the management stuff, right, that it takes to run a large organization. So two days a week in, in that framework. And then I try to carve out a day a week for the important, not urgent, the long-term high leverage thing. So whether that be reading or investing in myself, whether that be um, we're involved in peer groups, Um, I include my board meetings with our outside board of directors in that framework because they're always thinking three to 10 years ahead. So it really is a day a week for um, really long-term thinking for the organization. And then I guess the fifth bucket is really uh, the two days a week I set aside to recharge and the reasons we work so hard, right? So it's friends and family and faith and, and um, try to try to have a good weekend every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to bring it home with my final two questions. But before I do that, is there any question that I should have asked but didn't? Oh, goodness. I think you've had some great questions, Marcel. I'm not going to throw one in, but (laughs) thanks for asking. All right. So personally, Harold, what's really tugging at your heart right now that uh, you'd like our listeners to know? You know, at the risk of going a little bit political, um, I think that in the extremes that we have in our country right now, when you look at the far right and the far left, I think that that we could all benefit from um, Robert Greenleaf's best test. And I think if there was any way to get our political leaders to think about um, using the test, which is do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, and more likely themselves to become servants? I think if we could use that best test a little more, hopefully we could pull the extremes together because the answers are in the middle. The answers aren't on the far right or the far left. Mm. I recently had a a meeting with with a congressman And I asked him that question. I said, what are you doing to reach across the aisle and to um, get some things done on these really big issues that are facing our country? And I was hugely disappointed that he didn't have a very good answer. Yeah, yeah. And it's equally hard for me not to go political on this, but I won't. But I just uh, think that, yes, we are 
on opposite ends, usually instead of meeting at the center. So thank you for bringing that up, Harold. I want to end by giving you a chance to bring the conversation home your way. So what is that one thing you would like listeners to absolutely walk away with that, that's going to make a difference in their lives? We've covered a lot. I think that, you know, there's a, there's a personal case for servant leadership. And I think there's both, a, there's also a business case for servant leadership. And I think when you look at the personal advantages, the personal impact of, of really being a strong servant leader. And when you look at the ripple effect of that, right, because we teach servant leadership inside TD industries, we think the ripple effect of that to families and to extended families and to the roles that our people take in the community is enormous. Mm. And you hear Bob Chapman talk about that a lot. Um, you know, the ripple effects of great workplaces is incredibly important, and I think it's greatly underestimated. So I think when you think about the personal case for servant leadership and how that can affect future generations is an incredibly important thing. And then the dual impact on the business side is we have seen when we can grow great servant leaders, we can grow people faster, we can grow our business faster, we've had improved financial results, we've had great returns for our stockholders, our employee owners, and so we're creating widespread wealth across our employee ownership population and we're serving our customers in ways that they tell us they want more. So I just think that both the personal case and personal positive impact of servant leadership, as well as the business case for servant leadership, um, make it an, an incredibly powerful place to be. And um, we're still trying to get there. We see lots of room to improve. I see lots of room to improve personally. And I also see lots of opportunities inside our business. So it is a journey. Yeah, it but is. one worth taking. Yeah, it sure is. And you and your company are living proof that it does work. And it, that's the case for the business outcome for servant leadership. Just look at uh, companies like TD and uh, Barry Miller and Southwest Airlines and others. And that's uh, all you need to do. There's the proof right there. So I want to thank you for joining us. If people want to get a hold of you or to ask follow-up questions, perhaps, I don't know how accessible you are, but is there a way to uh, contact you or have people connect with you? Well, I'm, I'm incredibly accessible. My cell phone's on my business card, but um, my email address is just harold.mcdowell at tdindustries.com. We return phone calls and um, would love for, you know, if we can be helpful to anybody. There are lots of resources on our website also, um, servant leadership resources, whether it be links to the Greenleaf Center or links to favorite books that have helped us through the years. Like the one that comes to mind is the Servant by Jim Hunter, I think, is a really good parable book about servant leadership. So it was fun. Thank you, Marcel. It's been my pleasure and I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Here's my 60-second takeaway from that conversation with Harold. You know, he is spot on when he says that people misconceive servant leadership because it's such a paradox. How can you lead and serve at the same time? The idea is too counterintuitive. It makes people uncomfortable. You know, the soft side or servant side of servant leadership, that's what gets all the attention. And yeah, we need the soft side. But Harold even admitted that they used to be too soft. And servant leadership does not work by simply being too soft. It just doesn't work that way. If you're not setting the right expectations, having clear goals and measures of success, 
and holding people accountable for hitting their goals, it doesn't work. And that's the hard side or the leadership side, the servant leadership. So when you combine both, you have the ingredients for a great leader and a great leadership culture. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcast or on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Google Podcasts so you don't miss an episode. And to get the show notes of this episode or any other episode, visit my website, marcelschwantes.com and click on the Love in Action podcast tab. Next week, join me in a conversation with Dr. Melissa Hughes, a neuroscience expert and author of Happy Hour with Einstein. If you want to learn about your brain and how your brain functions as a leader, you don't want to miss this episode. See you next time. And don't forget, Love in Action is what will truly set your leadership apart. Try it. Hey, Love & Action Nation. If you're enjoying the format of the show and the topics we talk about, and you want to bring this conversation to your company event or conference, I would love to explore the possibilities. Whether it's speaking or moderating a live discussion or a Q&A panel, or even producing a series of podcasts before and after your event, let's talk. You can reach me by email personally at Marcel at loveinaction.club. That's Marcel, M-A-R-C-E-L, at loveinaction.club.